these damn cars just keep flying out of nowhere, don't they? <laughs> Welcome to Cloud Realities, a conversation show exploring the practical and exciting alternate realities that can be unleashed through cloud-driven transformation. I'm Dave Chapman. I'm Michelle Kazal. And I'm Rob Kernahan. This week, we're going to talk about the automotive industry and the connected car. Is it becoming more of a software platform than the familiar vehicle? And amongst other elements of automotive futures, will our emotional relationship to these objects change? Joining us to explore this interesting topic is James Spear, Global Partner Development Manager, Automotive and Manufacturing at AWS. James, great to see you. Thanks for joining us today. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm responsible for working with some of our largest partners at AWS in the automotive manufacturing industries. My job really is to make sure that our mutual customers, our automotive customers and so on, can realise their ambition by, by working with AWS and, and, and their partners. So James, the world of automotive, clearly over the course of the last, I'm going to say decade, it might be, it might be longer, the, the evolution in the car platform, for many different reasons that I'm sure we'll explore, are, are huge. So maybe set the scene for us. Like, What's your perspective, say, on the last sort of five to ten years of development, kind of in summary, of course, and then where are we up to today in terms of the current conversation around automotive? Yeah. So, so actually, it's, it's an excellent question because my background is, is I'm actually not a petrol head at all. Okay. So my background is very much in, you know, computers, basically, and information technology. Mm. So when I was a kid, I was just really interested in, in computers. And my interest in cars actually began relatively recently, more than a decade ago, but still relatively recently, when it became apparent that a lot of the technology that I was just interested and curious about, and also, of course, some of the things that, some of the technology that I've been working with in in my career was starting to make its way into a car. So that that was the, you know, that was the catalyst. In fact, if you were to dismantle, I don't know, say Tesla, Polestar, something, something funky. One of the new Hyundai's or Kia's, Mercedes, BMW, even you, you would actually find a lot of stuff inside that car, right? That would be very familiar to all of us uh, as, as technologists. So, so you, you know, you will find thirty-two um, bit um, micro microcontrollers, microprocessors running on ECUs inside the car. 100 million, sorry, not 100 million, one, one or two million uh, lines of code um, written in things like C, C++, even Java and Python, you'll find um, uh, Linux, and, well, auto-grade Linux, a particular variant or distro of Linux for the automotive industry and real-time systems. Um, you will find containers, orchestration, service-oriented architecture, um, Android, GPUs, fault-tolerant networks and Ethernet um, and, and, and all of these things that we've all become familiar with. Sounds like Rob's house, James. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But, you know, you, you, could, you could walk into, you know, any cloud availability zone region, data center, 
um, even Colo from a few years ago. Um, and, and of course, all of this technology would be immediately familiar and apparent to us, wouldn't it? So what's your track then on the development of that type of vehicle? So clearly Tesla have been Im- amazingly disruptive to the to the automotive sector. And then we've seen all of the mainstream manufacturers like running to catch up. What, what's your what's your sense of where that race is at the moment? Yeah, they're, well, they're undoubtedly they're undoubtedly in the lead. There's no question. But I think that we're just we're just beginning. You can kind of look at this in two ways. You can kind of look at it bottom up, right? So we've got all this familiar technology that you know all of us and hopefully everyone listening to is is familiar with. But you can kind of I, and, and that's interesting, very interested in that. But I also like to look at it in terms of the um, what's the consumer experience like. So, so how does all this? Why, do, why does any of this matter? Hmm. And and how does it change? Um, how do, how does it change our our experience as a driver, a passenger, a pedestrian, um, and and things like this? That when you start to look at when you start to look at it on on both sides, I think it then becomes a more a more meaningful conversation. So, I think if you if you if you drive a relatively a relatively modern car, maybe maybe less than three or four years old, you will start to see the benefit um, of some of this technology. You know, in your car today, uh, you know, we'll get on and, and we'll talk about autonomous driving and, and ADAS, but um, you know. I th- if if you look inside a car, you you'll probably already be used to things like um, adaptive cruise control, um, lane departure warnings, um, autonomous emergency braking, traffic traffic sorry traffic sign recognition, um, and 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 things like this. So if you can imagine, you know, we're all kind of used to those features and capabilities now, but imagine where that's going, and it's all enabled by all of this technology that that we already know. And I remember the first time I was in a car driving it, and it, it, it a little warning symbol came up, and it started to take control of the car on my behalf. Yeah. And I was a bit like, hang on a minute, what's going on? And there was this yeah. reaction about, the, oh, I want to turn all this stuff off. And then I went, well, actually, no, it could possibly well save my life in the future, so I'll probably keep it switched on but again that's all fundamentally powered by software and sensors and the merging of the two isn't it so it's like the this revolution that is in the driving experience fundamentally making it safer and easier is is a big change that i personally i've seen in the last few years but appears to be powered by all the things that you're referencing exactly exactly and of course the cloud plays plays a big part in that because all of the stuff inside the car of course is is I guess driven by um, a number of technology innovations. Okay, you know things like relatively cheap uh, edge compute, um, lidar, radar, um, uh, the ability to um, deploy uh, machine learning and AI um, at the edge, so that it can make these decisions um, far, far quicker um, and more accurately than a human can. And of course, to to create all of that software and to to train the models and things like this, all of that happens in the cloud. And then, I suppose, there's this view of the the future coming. I mean, we've seen a revolution. What do you think the future holds? I mean, there's a lot of talk 
in industry about autonomous driving. There are people who say, well, they'll never turn it on because nobody will accept the risk. But actually, the statistics tend to show that a car car is safer than the next one. Where do you think that's going with the, it's sort of this semi-autonomous yeah. capabilities definitely crept in and helping us. Do you think we'll ever get to the point where we sit in the car, open the newspaper and it drives us to work type Jetson's vision of the future that we all remember? I think yeah. our producer already does that, Rob. <laughs> well, of course, of course, of course, I suppose the the standard answer here is it depends. So, but but let me explain. So, I think there are three there are three things. So, so regulation is certainly one of them. There's no question. And and there are some places in the world that that take a more progressive attitude to this. I think the automotive industry is highly regulated anyway. So so you you, you know you 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 can't just build a new car and, and and put it on the road it has to go through different levels of accreditation and, and validation and things like this so that it's deemed to be roadworthy um but regulation is definitely definitely one of those things i think the second thing is technology there is a huge race at the moment no pun intended or pun intended actually you know with all of the oems okay trying to trying to catch up with this technology i mean most oems now you know have all all but dropped internal combustion cars um you know you can probably get a hybrid but clearly everyone's transitioning to electric but also um all of those new adas capabilities and software defined capabilities that we were just talking about um a minute ago but that's taking time because oems need help traditionally I guess their skill set is is really around you know um, mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, electronics, less so with software. But the third thing that I think is often understated is people and humans and emotions. So, so a, a lot of people, a lot of people like to feel connected to their car don't mm. they they it, you yeah. know they, they like they like the sensation of like an emotional connection you mean yeah 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 exactly oh. and also they like they, they like that they like the sense of driving they like holding the steering wheel mm. they like they like the feedback right from from the road and the tires back to the wheel that obviously the longer you own the car you might build up a an emotional attachment to this ob- to this object and I'm wondering, and I don't know the answer, it's a question, how, how that will impact things. Will there be people out there that have these incredible cars loaded to the brim with technology that they don't really use because they just enjoy driving? Yeah, I guess it's the same as the classic car argument in a lot of ways, which is it sort of makes no sense to have a 50-year-old car that costs you far more to maintain and it's far worse for the environment than buying, I don't know, the, the newest kind of little electric runaround. But there is an emotional connection to that sort of pile of nuts and bolts that maybe pe- people haven't yet developed with some of the newer experiences. Yeah. It's that thing that the uh, the retro and the vintage appeal, isn't it? The, yeah. uh, we all look back with rose-tinted glasses, even though, you know, at... Uh, at eight o'clock in the morning on a freezing winter you don't want to climb into an old car and wait for the heater to warm up but the, the modern experience where it's preconditioned itself out. before you drive but uh, yeah yeah it's that yeah yeah exactly i think i think you sort of see this evidence a bit if you go online and and watch 
reviews of a modern car. Um, often the journalist will spend 30 minutes reviewing the car. Um, it could be a great new car from Tesla. Again, you know, loaded to the brim, right, with all of this technology, all of this software. And yet, out of that 30-minute review, you know, we're spending 29 minutes talking about naught to 60. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, um, does it lean too much into the corners and things like this? And we might get one minute if we're lucky, you know, on on the touchscreen, uh, the voice commands, the OVS software updates, um, and all of this stuff. I think it will change, but I think it also shows, you know, there are people that just enjoy driving. Yeah, you raise a very interesting point, and I'm wondering then the sort of way you dis- you were describing the the modern car earlier actually makes it sound more like a iWatch or a software platform, doesn't it? So maybe you could just expand on that thought a little bit. Is is actually that what we're talking about? It's like a software platform with wheels that gets you from A to B. Is that effectively what we're talking about here? And in that sort of situation, it is going to be interesting to see how and what emotional connections people start to make to those vehicles, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, so, so you're right. When you, if you were to go out and buy a new car today it would be there will be lots of software in that car okay controlling all of the obvious things that you can see feel and touch like the touch screen Um, you might have some some voice commands in there and things like that but also some of the ADAS things that we talked about but I, I guess there are there are a number of things so first of all the car is also connected okay so what I mean by connected is that it will have a SIM or an eSIM. Um, so it, it, it has, you know, relatively fast cellular connections. And, and that's important because you then get bi-directional um, communication over the internet with the cloud, with the OEM, and, and, and lots of other organizations as well that open up a whole, you know, myriad of possibilities. The first thing is, is of course, feedback loops. So, so we're so so with the cars connected, the OEM can actually understand how the car is being used. So we talked about, you know, Rob, you mentioned, you know, one of your first experiences where, you know, a warning light pops on, maybe there's a noise inside the car, you have to grab the steering wheel, what's going on? Um, well, that's valuable information to OEMs. They, they need to understand when drivers need to make um, some kind of intervention and maybe override some of the automated capabilities inside the car. Um, and then, of course, there's a big question. What do you do with that information? Was the, was the intervention needed? Was it required? Was it a bug in the software? Uh, and if it is a bug in the software, what we then have to do is, is develop some new software. Then we have to test and validate that software, which is not an easy thing to do, with, certainly when you're dealing with you know, real-time real-time safety critical things um, and then deploy that software back um, over the air just as you might get an app update on the phone something like this um, to a fleet of thousands or even millions of cars. I guess what's occurring to me as you're describing this is that there's got to be a coming together of AI 
and connected car. And I'm thinking, now, now bear with me on this. You're not going, I know where you're going, Dave. Night Rider, mate. Yeah, I am. I was just thinking, when can I have yeah. kit in my car, please, with a turbo boost button? That's what I want. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so James, yeah. what, what kind of time frame are we talking about between <laughs> now and that? Well, of course, of course. Actually, do you know what? I'd love one of those as well. But being responsible, we can't have turbo boost, can we? <laughs> not today. Oh, not today. But I think that would be a regulatory challenge. Exactly. <laughs> Don't we need... AC boost. Why can't I jump my car through a lorry? I want to jump my car through a lorry on the way to work. I, I, I should have the rights to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we need some kind of electric boost. Right? Yeah, oh, yeah, that's that's right. Right. yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. We need uh, some kind of jolt, jolt of electricity into the car. Yeah. We can jump through lorries, Rob. Exactly. Just like the idea of unsuspecting lorry drivers on the way to work and cars firing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had another one this morning. Like, another one, Jim. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's the third this week. We'd all buy one. Take my money now. I'll have it. Yeah, thank you. These damn cars just keep flying out of nowhere, don't they? (laughs) (laughs) You can imagine uh, shortcuts would be a lot easier. You could jump over the fence to work and park. Yeah. 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 Or, or you know, you know when you, you you're stuck on the motorway and you can see the junction just far enough away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, come on! I need the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in this world, then we're sort of joking, obviously, about that, but it, it is it is pretty funny. But the you know, like to say, the presence in the car is actually the is actually the manufacturer that you're dealing with, right? I mean, that that is the that's the real p- presence and personality in one of these connected cars. You're sort of buying yeah. into. BMW or Mercedes or Tesla or, or whatever it might be, you know, their aesthetic. It's almost like buying Apple versus buying Dell or, you know, whatever it, whatever that might be. So what's the changing nature, do you think, between the driver and the consumer and the, and the auto manufacturer in the future? Because it seems to me that the auto manufacturer and what they need to bring to the consumer is very profoundly different. It goes, it goes much further than just, say, the, the connected car itself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you, th- there are hints of this now, hints of this now. So, so clearly automotive OEMs need to build, you know, their brand, um, and, and, and their personality, if you like, into that digital experience, um, inside the car. At, at the moment, I mean, you could say that Tesla are sort of doing that because you do see glimpses, right? Of Elon Musk's personality in your Tesla, don't you? I was exactly going to say that, you know, like the doors doing a dance and or like how the yeah. cushions and stuff fun, like that. Fun, isn't it? It creates, yeah, yeah. The, it changes the experience to a bit of fun. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So so if you, I don't know if this sounds, it does sound silly, but, but most people will get it. I think if you think about any OEM brands that you can think of, they all kind of have a reputation, don't they? Some... Some have a reputation for being, um, I don't know, like a racy, sporty brand, a reliable brand, mm, mm. Um, uh, an off-roady kind of rugged, outdoory type brand. Maybe some of these, if you like, uh, brand personalities will make their way into the software inside the car. So, so I think I think that's one one thing. The other thing as well is is personalization. So we're kind of used to personalization, kind of, right? Kind of. So when you buy a car, you can personalize it to some extent, can't you? So if you're buying a new car, you can choose the color, you can choose the wheels, 
things like this. But the, the, the personalization kind of stops there. Clearly, with a software-defined car, there was a big opportunity for that, that, that personalization to continue during the owning experience, right? So, mm-hmm. for example, let's say you every Friday morning on your way to work as a habit, um, you stop off at your local, I don't know, I'm not going to say uh, any brand, your local coffee drive through right, to pick up your triple, when Rob's case maybe it's quadruple, <laughs> caramel latte or whatever it was, right? Very briefly, speaking to someone who, who had a, a triple shot, cappuccino this morning and it's now quarter to three in the afternoon yeah. oh dear have i been buzzed up today it's like it's it's, it's pretty bad it's pretty bad so I, 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 anyway, I i'm in danger of digressing into a caffeine thing so, so back to you james no Sorry. no no, no. I'm, I'm in the mood I'm in the mood for a cut yeah yeah so of course i mean that's just a trivial example but but when you think about all the different journeys that you make in your car surely there's an opportunity there for the car to um, identify some of these patterns, and if you can identify these patterns, you can you can you can start to do more useful things. You know, you can start to order your quadruple frappuccino thingy, and um, before you've even left the home, and have that drink ready for you at the point you get to the, mm. the drive-through, because you know the car just knows that's what you do every friday morning anyway what you ordered what route you would go check the traffic yeah. on that route work out what time you might get there yeah well i remember the time i uh google did that for me on maps it basically sent me a prompt i clicked it, it went on thursday you always drive here traffic's yeah. a bit snarled up we recommend you take this route and i was like that's useful and scary in similar measures that, you know, it's that level of understanding that you're able to say you probably want to do something different today. And that, and that was quite surprising. But then you sort of thought, wow, you could, there's so much more the system can do for you if, 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 if you trust it and you want to. So I suppose there's a big part about the OEMs, showing about James, is we have to trust them to allow them to do this for us and yes. give them our, our data. So there's, a, there's got to be a form of I trust you as an organization. I'm happy for you to know things about me to allow me to get the convenience of it, which is a debate in society that's been raging and it's now going to turn up in our car, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, there are lots and lots of other scenarios and we've already got some of these things to an extent, but there's a lot further we can go. So, you know, the integration between your car and your home um, and the ability to turn the heating on in the winter when, you know, when, when there's, some kind of trigger that that recognizes okay i've left work i've got to the train station now i've got back into the car i'm 15 minutes away from home or maybe a bit more than that so that you can optimize when the heating switched on so it's nice and warm when you get home things like that you get some of these things now sometimes you need a bit of manual intervention but i think there's a lot more you know a lot more that we can do but there's this mesh coming isn't there where the car's talking to the services we like it's talking to the the home it's understanding our diary our behavior there's some sort of mesh relationship that'll have to be that allows all this understanding to connect and then trigger onward prescriptive actions like the heating that you suggest so it's all got to come together there's got to be some form of service integration in the future that's right that's right and then and then i think beyond that you know we will see integration um, integration uh, or better integration, I should say, between um, between all vehicles on the road. 
um, in, in some kind of you know smart city type type idea where you know traffic controls you know uh, and th- uh, you know um, lighting things like that are, are, right right are, are controlled instead of instead of having traffic lights you know red green amber on some kind of yeah. timer things are controlled much more scientifically and yeah you, you can always, you can always imagine a day where everything's carefully scheduled so you sort of tell the system or it knows you're driving to work tomorrow because it's checked your calendar and it auto yeah. schedules the best time to leave because it knows what everyone else is doing you can imagine sort of this nirvana of it all just like it is like the future like the jetsons where everything just yeah. integrates for those who don't know what the jetsons were i'm um, probably a 70s cartoon that visioned the future that looked very nice it was a, yeah, yeah yeah but there's, there's some i think there's a lot of other use cases that we will see how far into the future i don't know but things like the ability for a car to see around the corner oh right okay with like a camera it, it, it uses access to something else or talks to well, the car in front well or? no so if cars and other vehicles on the road let's say those little two-wheeler electric scooters things like this if they're connected to the internet, if they're connected to the cloud, if we have um, wide-scale deployment of um, computer vision and CCTV and things like that in our in our cities, I think I think it won't be too long before we start to see new safety features, right, that are built into a car that warn you what literally when something is around the corner that you cannot see. Yeah. So the other thing I think when you're sort of gazing into the crystal ball of the future around cars, I, I tell you what, my other major disappointment is that the automotive industry have, have not yet delivered. You guess what this one is, Rob? Uh, I don't. Go on. You've foxed me on that one. Flying cars, man. Oh, here we go. Yes, flying cars. Like, you know, Blade Runner, it, it, Blade Runner was a good couple of years ago now in terms of like the year that was set. Flying cars everywhere. So, so James. Why not flying cars yet? And given the rise of, no, no pun intended, give, given the rise of things like drone technology, how, how close do we think we are? Because those, those flying cars that have just got fold-up wings don't look even remotely practical to me. I think where I'm, <laughs> where, where I'm going is more like a, you know, like a drone car combo, yeah. like a spinner yeah, in Blade Runner. Robo-taxes. Robo-taxes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are a lot of organizations, you know, um, working on working on these things now. I think it's a different for now. It's a different type of transport, isn't it? Because mm. it, it's a shuttle. It's public transport. It, it's not designed for you know no, right. um, individuals, not really, uh, or families. But but yeah, maybe in the future we will see that. Maybe it's a maybe it's a thing where you drive along dock with something. It takes you somewhere, and then your car drives off again, like you know, uh, yeah. uh, you dock, or it comes down, picks you up, and takes you over. Maybe that's Hang on, Thunderbirds was like, <laughs> oh yeah, Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds had one of those, didn't yeah. It? yeah, 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 yeah. You would think though, with you know, like commercial use of drones, right? Is is growing every single yeah. day. Yeah. There are, there are companies that are that are working on drone technology for deliveries and things like that. So got to be a matter of time hasn't it until like drones and cars become more integrated if you think about it the police high-speed interceptions that's a new yeah. thing isn't it actually you don't chase them in a car you just go think of the, yeah. like, it's, it's like the great drone. big magnet drops down and picks the car up off the road and takes yeah. them off to the the the, the jail i like right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. revolutionization yeah. in law enforcement yeah. solved by cloud realities right here cloud realities yeah. productions copyright 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think I think maybe maybe one of the things that is is that we need to make more progress with electrification because I I, I mean I'm not an expert, but I would imagine you know you need much more uh, much more power, right? If you're going to work over three dimensions instead of two, and if we look at if we look at automotive today, you know, with with cars constrained by gravity with four wheels. You know, one of the biggest one of the biggest problems I think is is the lack of available charging infrastructure. Yeah, uh, yeah. In, in large parts of the world. So when we when we, it feels like it's a tenuous connection, doesn't it? Maybe it's not. But when you think about drones, my, well, my gut feel is that you probably need more. You would need far better charging infrastructure for, for that kind of thing, and far better. Um, capacity actually in the batteries to make that um, a viability. I guess it's one of those things, isn't it? It feels like it's an inevitability. I guess we need to kind of kind of crack the four wheel yeah. transport modes first. Yeah, the four wheel transition, and I think that's a great note. Maybe to begin to bring our conversation today to a bit of a conclusion, like coming really close to home now. Like, what do you think? Just the next couple of years looks like from that perspective in terms of growth of infrastructure and the switch itself? So over the next two or three years, well, two things. Obviously, there will be more charging infrastructure, but I'm also expecting to see more innovation in, in the battery uh, itself. So so I think, I think there are two ways to solve that problem. Clearly, we do need more charging infrastructure in the world, but we also need batteries that, that um, can work over much longer ranges as well. So we've tapped the problem from both sides. I think we're going to see we're going to see some some of these ADAS capabilities, that, you know, that we talked about, um, become mainstream in every new vehicle for sure. Um, with a big focus on safety, I think. I think that I think that when different um, countries and governments and regulatory bodies around the world start to see some of the safety benefits of autonomous driving in general, um, my, my expectation is that regulation will be not relaxed but will be more permissive for those kinds of things so over the next two years those are probably the main things i think that will happen shout what have you been looking at this week so each week I will do some research on what's trending in tech. And this week I want to focus on the free tech trends for the automotive industry. So the automotive industry is one of the world's most technologically advanced and innovative industries. From electric vehicles and autonomous driving technologies to advanced safety features and connectivity options. Technology is at the heart of every aspect of this industry. So what are then the free tech trends to watch? First, stable network infrastructure with 5G and edge computing, because this can provide enhanced and consistent user experiences, improved connectivity for multiple devices, and fast and reliable communication with low latency. The second one, incorporated AI features. AI can be used for driver assistance systems, predictive maintenance, and manufacturing optimization. And the last one, advanced supply chain. By using analytics platforms, you can analyze big data more efficiently, 
And by using data visualization, you can gain more insights into supply chain operations. So a question to you, James. What is your opinion of these trends and which one do you think is going to be the most important one for the automotive industry at this point in time? Well, we haven't mentioned AI much yet, have we? So Briefly. So we, have, yeah. we have to talk about AI. We're sort of obliged to talk about AI, aren't we? It's actually a um, licensed requirement now, so yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. On exactly. It, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but no, we should, we should talk about AI. I think there are two, I think, two very important points with, with AI and, and automotive. The, the first, I would say, with generative AI, so the way that we develop um, autonomous vehicles today isn't particularly efficient because we, we rely on, you know, test cars, or they're called mules, to drive around the planet in as many different environments and conditions as possible to collect lots and lots of data, right? Different weather conditions, different road signs, you know, urban, suburban, you name it, every country. And then all of that data is collected on SSDs and uploaded into the cloud and then used to train all of these really clever ML models that then make our cars safer and better. So I think generative AI has a role there, right? Can, can we use generative AI to actually generate some of that simulation data? That's, that's an important one. And the other thing as well, I think, is, is that when you're developing safety-critical software that's running inside a car, having an AI code co-pilot like AWS Code Whisperer, for example, that is particularly important as well. It makes the developer, you know, more uh, more efficient, more productive, and mm. I think you're probably right to save the software as well. There, there is a view about how far do you go with the simulation. So, can you have an active argument with your co-pilot about the best route to the uh, to the uh, de- the destination, or even you know, <laughs> so like, yeah. the, the real yeah. life simulation of how we used to complain? You, you meet, you read yeah, the exactly. map type thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one observation I've got on the trends is that they look specifically like digital and technology trends, you know, hence saying three tech trends, Shalk. Um, but they don't look like car development trends. Do you know what I mean? Like if you looked at maybe trends in the automotive sector 10, 15 years ago, that would surely look quite different. Would that be about, I don't know, aerodynamics or would it be about engine technology or, you know, to your point earlier, reduced not to 60 time or whatever. So it's, it's it really underpins that point you were making about the car becoming more software platform i think it's that realization the organizations that understand they're a software company first and a might might and sell something second is really becoming a reality because it is software that is making the differentiation and the competitive advantage in the marketplace isn't it it is the thing that everybody has to understand it's software that's going to make the future business models work properly it's it's interesting though isn't it because Whilst I'm obviously an advocate of that, and, and you can see that in, in many sectors today, that there is something about this particular topic and the emotional relationship that we were talking about earlier. And, you know, the fact we've all had so much to say about, you know, our childhood views on what cars are and things like that, that there is just something so resonant there that yeah. I sort of hope we don't lose in this race to having utility vehicles, you know? 
Well, it's that thing, like you always remember the first time or the times you remember when you accelerated really quickly on a motorcycle or a car or something like that. And you had that experience. And there is something visceral and tactile about the car driving experience. Like you said, the connection with the road and the feedback and everything else. It's like the, almost maybe we see a divergence of the, the utilitarian vehicle, which just does everything for us and drives yeah. us to work and we read yeah. the paper. And then the experienced version of the car, which is I get feedback and I have fun and I enjoy myself through the driving experience. And, 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 and maybe there'll be two things uh, that just diverge. Right. Well, uh, and it might be like, you know, you buy the fun version as a, a weekend upgrade or something yeah. along those lines, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or yeah, subscription-based service yeah. for the, I'd like to have fun for the next two days, please. Right. <laughs> buy, buy that package, yeah. Yeah, turn this into a sporty little number at the weekend. Well, look, James, thank you so much for, for joining us in today's conversation. It was both educational and uh, and really entertaining. So thank you so much for your time and insight today. My pleasure. Now, we end every episode of the show by asking our guests what they're looking forward to doing next. Now, that could be your favorite album. You haven't heard it for a while, so you want to listen to it at the weekend. It could be a great restaurant you've got booked, or it could be something in your professional life. So, James, what are you looking forward to doing next? I am looking forward to getting back to Old Trafford in the middle of August. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The start of the new football season, you know, it's it's just a calendar highlight, isn't it? Rob, what what team do you support again? Uh, that would be Everton, David. Yes. Everton. Although I was at Goodison Park when they scraped it through in the Premiership, which was an amazing experience and the crowd went nuts. So that is a very <laughs> memorable experience. I'm with you, James. There's nothing quite like the football stadium on an exciting football game. So, uh, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Uh, how did Man U do against Everton in the last season, James? Don't say it, James. Uh, yeah. you, you don't have to say it. Don't bring it up. Please don't bring it up. <laughs> Well, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't all great news. Well, a, <laughs> I think. Well, we we, we came out on top, but, um, but I, that, I'm not going to say too much. Rob's going to edit this, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> edit point, Ben. Take everything out about Everton football. No, yes. Yeah, yeah. I I I, uh, I was at one of those games, and uh, it was entertaining. If you're a Man U supporter, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> So a huge thanks to our guest this week. James, thank you so much for being on the show. To our sound and editing wizard, Ben, and of course, to all of our listeners. We're on LinkedIn and Twitter. Dave Chapman, Rob Kernahan, and Xiao Kizal. Feel free to follow or connect with us and let us know if you have any ideas for the show. And of course, if you haven't already done that, rate and subscribe to our podcast. See you in another reality next week. <laughs>